0: Thank you, Mr. Edwin. Thank you. World's greatest worship leader, Edwin and the crew. Hey, Hearst. Thank you. Such a gift to worship with them. I, uh, I didn't want to tell Edwin this. I was talking with him when I got in, but I, he probably won't pay much attention now that I've started. But, so I'll just share it with the rest of you. But uh, several years ago, I had uh, made a promise in about October, weather was pretty warm, feeling good, years ago. And I promised in October that I would participate in a um, marathon relay and I would run one of the legs and so forth and that was my my commitment. In fact, I saw Dan Ham's wife out there, which was kind of fun. But in any event, as the uh, race approached, like the night before, no exaggeration, I got like the flu. And the race was actually in December, and I had committed to do this four months prior. And now I'm sitting in bed with the flu, and and the weather had changed. It wasn't like August anymore. It was like 30 degrees and raining, and I'm sick, like sick, sick. I'm just laid out. And I'm just sitting there in bed thinking, I got to get up. And I'm running the first leg, of course. Oh Oh, my gosh. The last thing I want to do is get out of bed at like 5 in the morning. you got to be at the starting corral at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30. And I'm sick, and the weather stinks, and I'm thinking of all the different ways I could try to get out of this. (laughs) But I promised that I was going to do it, and there was no escape. I made a commitment, so I was going to follow through. So I spent however long my leg was, and every step of that leg, making sure, reminding myself that never again would I make a promise to do something four months later. Because, you know, you just don't know. But that was a promise, and I felt like I had to keep it. It was a commitment that I made. You know, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What kind of promises do we make? What kind of promises do you guys make? Yeah, give that some thought. We all make promises. I know mean, you guys make promises. Who's made a promise? Ah, yes. Hi, Miss, Miss Ruby. Yeah, like when we're running a marathon, you, 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 you promise you're going to do something. You, do you follow through on those plans usually? Do you keep that promise usually? Or do people say, oh, Ruby, she, you know, Ruby, she's got a flake, she ain't coming. Or do you follow through? You try to keep that. What other promises do we make? <laughs> I could just call on folks. Want to do that, Miss Hayhurst? What promises do you generally make? What, you you like to make a promise? What tra- promises do you make? Uh, show you show up at work. Who makes that promise? Do you guys make that promise? Anybody else make that promise? Yeah, I mean if you're on the schedule, you know uh, you know in and out ain't going to run. That those burgers aren't going to flip themselves, right? You you gotta you gotta keep that promise. Fleming makes a commitment; he's going to keep it. Who else? What other promises are we making, Miss Cunningham? Oh, you know, so You made a promise in the, back in the day. Think, what promise have you made? No, no promises. Okay, commitment free. Okay, yes, ma'am. You're in now. You're no, no backing out. We're in this together. What do you got? <laughs> Clean the duck pond every three days. Okay, who did you make that promise to? The ducks? Who, who do you commit to? No, no, you commit like to your parents? Is that like your responsibility? No, no okay. You it just is, but like I choose to do it. Right, yeah, because that's like, that's your responsibility. Good for you. So you make a commitment to clean the duck pond. There you go. Yes, yeah, get Mr. Day, what, what commitment, what promises do you make? To, yeah, to be at school, you got to be on time. That's right. Lobbies well, are always on time. I respect that. <laughs> so funny. What, 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 what promise do you make? Um, doing, chores. doing chores. Give us a chore. What, what chore are you faithful about completing? None of them. So we've got promises not kept. Okay, so that's a good example of promises you just don't keep. You know, we're, we're, gonna, we're talking about promises because As you may expect, as you probably foresaw, our God is a great promise keeper. He keeps his promises. And when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And so as we approach Genesis chapter 21, it's a great story of God keeping and fulfilling his promises. Go to chapter 21, Genesis 21. We all know the theme of Genesis. Beginnings, great. And before we jump into today's story, what is, what have we, who, have we, who have we been reading about in these last several weeks? Who have we been reading about? Who, who is the story about? Genesis, you know, Genesis 13, 14, 15, 16. It's story time on Wednesday night, Sunday morning. And who are we learning about? Abraham, who said that? Wrong! Who are we learning about? <laughs> he said, Jesus. We're learning about God. Because the whole story of Abraham, the whole story of, of, of the Bible, everything you read in the Bible, you've got to come to it from the perspective of what are you learning about God? Like, for example, you know, why did the, why did the Jews, why were the Jews not able to leave Egypt? Without all the plagues. Remember the ten plagues? I mean it turned the Nile to blood. Our poor my poor Egypt was like decimated. Firstborn was killed. Like why did God require all that? He could've just changed Pharaoh's heart. Why did God do all that? For what purpose? It's right there in Genesis. Remember, why did he do that? You guys remember? Uh, yes, Ms. Wabi, what you had your hand up. What'd you say? oh oh to show his power to reveal himself to reveal himself and to show his power so god is revealing himself he is showing his people who he is he is he is educating them in his character showing them how reliable he is teaching them what it means to be in relationship with him and so he is choosing People he is guiding, people he has redeemed, people. So it's all about God. And when we come to Genesis 21, we got to remember that it's all been about God. Genesis 12, remember Abram was called. We're just going to do like a running start. Genesis 12, who's it about? It's about God. God says to Abram, I will show you. Track all of the I wills that God has for us. In Genesis 12, I will show you. Come on, Abram. I will show you a new land. Hey, I will make you a great nation. Then he got to Canaan, and the Lord appeared to him. What did he say? I will give you this land. In Genesis 13, what does he say again? I will give you land. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. I will give it all to you. In Genesis 15, I am your shield. So the story that we've been reading from Genesis 12 on and cleaning the night, it's all about the work of God revealed in a certain people group, revealed in his fellowship, his relationship with Abraham. Now, Abram says, what are you going to give me since I'm childless back in 15? And then the Lord God reasons, with hey, Abram, I am the Lord. And that's when they have like the covenant, uh, the the whole ceremony where they got the cow and the doves and they split them in half and put Abram into a slumber and God walked through it. So, but now you get to 16, right? After God says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to make you a nation I'm going to make you a people. I'm going to give you the land. Uh, You know, you get to 16, Genesis 16, and now Abram is uh, 85, and, and, and they get a little nervous. They're getting apprehensive. Is God going to do any of this? So they take Hagar. They take matter into their own hands, and he goes in with Hagar, right? We all know what happens with Hagar, and Hagar conceives, and... Then she's sent away. You are the God who sees, she, she calls. And she's distressed and she leaves, and, and the Lord appears to her and she says, You are the God who sees. I asked, Do you believe that the, that the Lord God sees? Now, he doesn't just see like in an omniscient, all powerful, ever present, eternally aware kind of way. When Hagar says that, she's saying, Hey, you see me. So when you think about the Lord God, Revealed in this relationship with Abram and and, and throughout Genesis, he is the God who sees me. The same God today who sees me personally, intimately, lovingly, deeply. God who sees me. And that's that's what she says to him. But let me ask you, we're not at application yet. We got a little bit of time. But do we live like God sees me? Do you live like God sees you? Or do we live like our God is blind? Like, I'll just do what I'm going to do. And, you know, functionally, he's kind of blind because, like, how what is it? We live like he's not going to see it, we live like he's not going to know it. So, there's two ways out there. Do we live in an awareness of God just not only sees like the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro, but he sees you deeply and personally? Or do we live like God is blind? And by the time uh, Abram uh, is 86, Ishmael is born to the servant uh, Hagar. And we get to chapter 17, Genesis 17 and 99. Abram is uh, now 99, and the Lord appears. And again, he promises descendants and land, and that's when they have the circumcision. We won't talk about that again. And he establishes my covenant. What does God say? I will establish my covenant. I will multiply you. And again, to repeat myself, follow the bouncing ball. It is, I will. I have made you the father of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. In Genesis chapter 17, God says, I will, 17 different times. Kind of a nice symmetry there. In chapter 17, he says that we make, that'll be like trivia, okay? How many times does God make assurances to Abraham, Abraham of what he promises to do? 17 times he says, I will do this, I will do that, because God is the main character in what is happening. And that's when Abram, uh, Abraham laughed. He's like, <laughs> You maybe aren't paying attention to how old I am. I'm older than all grandfathers out there. And that's when God said, Well, you're, you, you will, uh, Sarah will have a son, and you'll name him. He laughs. And then he, he comes back in the Theophany in chapter 18 and promises a son. And that's when um, Sarah laughs again. And then God confronts her. The Lord God, the angel of the Lord, confronts her and says, Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. I'm, who's laughing? Nobody's laughing. Uh, but there's laughter. We're going to cover, there's more laughter. We're going to talk today about laughter because in chapter 21, we're going to, uh, she laughs again. But it's very different. So when you're reading these passages, or any passage, you've got to think to yourself, where is God in this? Who is this about? What is it showing me about God? What is God doing? Because it's really easy to be like, wow, this is a really miraculous birth uh, you know, they're 99, they're 100, and they're giving birth. That's pretty wild. And that is wild, but that's really kind of people-focused. You want to be focused on, you know, God-focused. What is God doing in the life of this couple in this nation? So that gets us to Genesis 21 and Sarah's big moment. And that's our passage for today, Genesis 21. and Sarah's big moment, uh, verses 1 and 2, The Lord, And then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Let's pray and then we'll jump into it. Dear Lord God, thank you for this passage and this opportunity to be together and uh, just to share your word. I pray that it would be a time that glorifies you, that we would be so um, focused on you and your work in their lives and in our lives, and that we would have a deeper uh, sense of your greatness and your love for us, and that we would honor and love you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. So the Lord took note of Sarah. He took note of her. It means like he paid attention to her. He attended to her. Okay? It's like he's looking after her, like a mother attending to a small child. If you've ever, you know, done any babysitting, they're trusting you to attend to The little kids in your care. If you serve in the children's ministry, you know, the adults leave and there you are. And you are, you have to attend to those kids. You can't just be like, you can't just leave them. And and the Bible says the Lord took note. He attended to Sarah as he said he would. He takes note of her. You know, he takes note of us. That God, that is our God. He is taking note of her and attending to her need. And he attends to ours and he takes note of us. He takes note of me. You know, like, for example, you're in high school, and they, you know what they do? Like, you know the major difference between high school and college? Any ideas? There's a lot. Maybe, you got one to throw out? You're so good. They take attendance. In high school, they take attendance. You know, so you're sitting there, and when I was in high school, we'd try to be funny, and we'd get all creative. You don't want to just say here. she would be like, uh, you know, she'd so say something silly. You guys probably don't do that. But, but in high school, you show up, and they take attendance. And if you're not there, then the emails start flying around, and notes have to be procured, and parents get called. And, you know, if you get too many not theirs, then there's consequences for that. They're always attending to you, always attending And if you're in detention, you just think, I'm so happy they attend to me so lovingly because they're paying attention to where you are. You know what they do in college? You think they attend to you in that way? No. You may walk into a big lecture hall and they don't care and they don't know and that's why a lot of kids come on home after the first semester at college because nobody was attending to them and they decided they would just kind of sleep on in instead of going off to class. I don't recommend that, uh, but but they don't attend to you. So if that's what you want to do, nobody's going to shake their finger at you. you they are not. They will never put you in detention when you're in college for skipping class, most likely. Um, so that's the difference. He attends to us. He cares for us. How deeply does he care for us? Is he like just kind of paying mild attention, like your teacher? Like your small group leader, maybe? Like a parent? Wow. God says he, he, he actually attends to us more deeply than, than any of those examples. He says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. That is your God. He cares for you and he attends to you more deeply and more lovingly, if you're in Christ, than, than, than a mother nursing her own child. It's more likely that mom forgets her kid than God forgets you. Second Chronicles uh, uh, sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. If your heart is his, he is strongly supporting you. So he will, he attends to Sarah, he attended to Sarah, and he attends and takes note of us. The verse goes on, the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. God fulfilled his promise, as you knew he would. He never forgot her. Did he fulfill his promise for Sarah because she was so faithful? Was she? Was was Sarah faithful during this time? The angel of the Lord appeared and said, this is what's going to happen at this time. And what was her reaction? Laughter. So when the Lord fulfills his promise to her, it's not because she was so faithful. It's because of who he is. That's your God. She laughed at the idea. She de- and then she denied her unbelief. So it's not about who she is, it's about who he is. Right? That is. That is the promise of the Lord. It's about him, it's about his character, his ability to keep his promises. So he tends to her, he takes note of her, he fulfills his promise. And then it goes on in uh, verse 2 at the appointed time of which God had spoken, it was his designated time. It's all according to his plan. He told her in Genesis 18, "I'll return to you about this time. His time is perfect. His timing is perfect. He had designated this time. This is not a random time. This is not late. By the way, some count being late. I mean, they're a hundred, and that's when God wants to fulfill His promise. So by human standards, you'd say, "Not the way I design it, but it's God's perfect plan. And it's his, his appointed time, a time that he had looked out with his infinite wisdom, his eternal perspective, and he said, right then, that's when it's going to happen. And nobody will ever understand the mind of God outside the Trinity, but in his perfect, expansive, non-chronological, un, you know, peerless perspective, that none of us will ever comprehend, he picked the moment, and it was his appointed time, and that's when he fulfilled his promise. So, the reality, as you all know, is we're on his schedule. In the same way that he looks out over the expanse of the universe from the beginning of time and appoints when Sarah is going to conceive, when she's going to have Isaac, he appoints the things for us. And, He does so perfectly. He does so attending to us. He does so mindful of our every need, mindful of his perfect provision. Now, who here thinks, now this was a while ago, Genesis 21, who here thinks that maybe God has changed? Like that God is not who we're dealing with now. Anybody think that? No, we don't think that. Nobody thinks that. You might not believe in that God, but you don't think that he changed from then to now. Uh, In fact, he is the same today, uh, yesterday, and tomorrow. Do you believe, and think about this, reflect on this, maybe talk about it in a small group, do you believe that he still sees as well now as as he saw then? Do you really believe that he sees you and takes note of you and attends to you in the way that he did for Sarah and Abraham? If you don't believe that, why don't you? Now, and, and if you do, you know, what examples? You know, a lot of the times you can only see God's will in your life by kind of by looking backwards. Like, ah, yeah, okay, now, now I see how that all fits. You know, and then when you live a little bit longer, you can see a little more. And a little longer, you can see a little more. And, 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 and in retrospect, it all makes perfect sense. But Maybe looking forward, it's hard to discern. But when you look backward, you can see it more clearly. And so I'd encourage you, look back on your young lives and see the different points in your life where you can clearly see God's provision for you, God's perfect plan unfolding for you. You'll see those examples. You'll see the pattern of his faithfulness, his fulfilling promises, small and large, answered prayers time and again. You know, you rely on him. He is faithful. And you can see those examples and you can build them on one, uh, one on top of another. So, so when you go out there and, you know, next, next week, next month, next year, you're like, oh, gosh, where is God showing up for me? You'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, he's always been faithful to me. So look back and see that. Now, are are there unfulfilled promises? Are you waiting for something in your life? If you're waiting for something in your life, if you're waiting for God to fulfill some promise in your life, are you waiting faithfully? Are you you waiting, you know, obediently? Are you waiting prayerfully? Are you waiting in a way that honors and, and, and glorifies him? Okay, let's move on. Abraham's big moment. Let's get to Abraham. So, verses 3 and 4. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. So, here's Abraham, and the promise is fulfilled. And, and so, he is now, how long has it been? Who knows? How long has it been? Who's got the timeline? How long has it been since God said, hey, follow me, step out. We're going to go to a land that I will show you. How long has it been from that moment to right now, the fulfillment of this promise? Any takers? Yes, sir. Yeah, close. It's almost 30 years. It was 25 years because he called him out at 75, and here he is 100, and he now has his promise fulfilled in Isaac. So he's holding his long-awaited heir. Now he had Ishmael, but here is Isaac. The promise has been fulfilled. The wait is over. I mean, you can almost imagine Abraham at 75, older than most of your grandparents, leaving the place of his family, leaving uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, and God just saying, I will show you where I'm going to take you. Just trust me. And then God says, I will do this, and I will do this. And throughout that period, Abraham's like, I don't see it. I'm just getting older. Where are the kids? And here is the fulfillment of that promise. And he already knows what he's going to name the child because God already told him. He names him Laughter because he laughed and Sarah laughed and they're all just laughing. And so he named Isaac. So in response, he has him circumcised, which God God had commanded. It's a sign of the covenant people. We're not going to talk about the circumcision at length. You guys already covered that. But it's it's the mark of being set apart. It's to say... You are different than the world. I have chosen you. I have selected you for fellowship with me, the one true God. And I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make a way for you. You are going to be provided for. And you are going to be different than everybody else. And here is the mark of that difference. Circumcision. And, and Abram Abraham honored that covenant, and he had his son circumcised. But What about us? Now, we are called, if you were in Christ, you are called out. You are set apart. You are to be different. In Romans 2, 29, circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So we, as followers of Christ, if you are in Christ, then you, th- that uh, is an example, a model for you. Just as Abraham took Isaac and set him apart, if you are in Christ, you are called to be set apart, uh, different than the world, a circumcised heart, not conforming to the ways of the world. If your walk looks just like the world's walk, Th- then how is your heart circumcised? I- I've told you this before and I'm gonna tell you again. You know, the world doesn't read the Bible, but they read you and they read you real closely. And what would they say about your God and the Lord Jesus by watching your life? What, is they, what would they think the Bible says by watching you, by examining you? So we have the promise of new life, eternal life. Abraham's response was to have Isaac circumcised, to bring him in the covenant. You have new life. If you're in Christ, what is your response? Do you live a circumcised heart life? Is your heart cultivated? Do you have an obedient spirit? Are you actively cultivating a a circumcised heart that is different than your body? You know, pre-fellowship heart. Uh, what if the story went, Abraham holds up the heir, the long-promised child, Isaac, and God had said, have that kid circumcised. And Abraham was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep doing what I was doing. He'll, he'll just, he, he doesn't need to be marked in that way. He'll just kind of be marked like everybody else, or he just won't be marked at all. You'd say, well, that doesn't make any sense. God fulfilled his promise. Why does Abraham not respond in faith? He should do what God called him to do. But if we don't respond with a circumcised heart, that's exactly what we're doing. So God commanded that Abraham and Isaac be set apart, and he calls us to be set apart. Do you desire that? Do you desire to be set apart? Or would you rather kind of just be folded right into the crowd? You know, I don't. You know, I don't, I, don't want, I don't really want to be set apart. I'd rather be with the group. I'd rather have a sense of belonging. I'd rather make the most of this place. You know, I'd rather kind of enjoy what the world has to offer. It doesn't, it's not so bad if you can, you know, you can kind of set it up so it's kind of fun. If that's what you desire and not to be set apart, then you are not in fellowship with the promise-keeping God that had called Abraham out. So the next passage, the next section is about a new laughter. Verses 5, 6, and 7. I'm just going to read these to you. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So, we have said he was 75. This is 25 years later. So, it took 25 years from God, you know, um, issuing this dramatic call for Abraham to leave his family, to go to New land, 25 years from that day to him fulfilling uh, his promise to, to Abraham. But we said God's timing is perfect. It was the appointed time. And, and as we said, during that time of waiting, you know, he sought assurances. He had different interactions with the Lord. He, he, he doubted, right? He said, hey, I don't have any heirs. How are you going to give me anything? I don't have any children. I don't have any land. And God would reassure him. So they ended up taking the surrogate, and God ultimately provided. But he, took, he waited for 25 years for God to fulfill that promise, are we patient with our promise when we wait on God? Are we patient in the same way? Do we have an expectation of fulfilling that promise? Or do we feel like that promise has to be fulfilled on our time, on our timeline, you know, our schedule, our expectations? So Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. So there's laughter and joy in their obedience. God's fulfilled the promise, and there's great laughter and joy in that. It's the greatest pleasure in life. Knowing that you have fulfillness and joy by obeying God. We're not talking about happiness. We're talking about joy. Laughter that is from God. Laughter that's made by God. Laughter that is a blessing from God. It's like an amazement she's having. I mean, this is incredible. God has fulfilled his His promise, this is an unmistakable gift. This could not be accomplished without and outside of God's provision. He has provided. And there's great joy and laughter uh, as a result of appreciating that. It's like a contagious laughter. And the Proverbs said, joyful heart is good medicine. so, So in Christ, that can be our life. That can be our expectation. That can be our experience, true joy from obedience, true joy from fellowship. How do, h- how do we do when we have a hope or an expectation from God? It's not happening, it's not, we're not seeing it, it's taking forever. Let's say, for example, if you, there's something you put a lot of effort into it, school, sports, relationships, whatever it may be, and it doesn't work out. And sometimes it's not going to work out, that's... That's his life. That's the reality. How do we respond? How do we handle that? If you're in Christ, you have confidence in his provision. You have confidence in his protection. You have confidence in his guidance. And not getting enamored with the circumstances and our perception of whether God is fulfilling his promise. Because we know that his timing is perfect and he fulfills his promises. So verse 8, the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. So being weaned, he's done nursing. So Isaac is now two or three years old, and Abraham is celebrating. So, there's, so they used to laugh because they didn't believe God, and now there's laughter and celebration because God has provided. His son uh, Isaac is growing, he's developing, and it's with great joy and celebration that they're experiencing it. You know, the, the, the joy of the Lord, John 15, verses 10 and 11. If you keep my commandments, uh, you will abide in my love, the Lord says. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. That is the greatest joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the from obeying him and being in fellowship with him, that is the greatest joy and freedom. You know, joy does not come from that which is outside of us. Joy does not come from circumstances, good circumstances, bad circumstances. It, that's just happiness, right? And you have good days and bad days. Some things, the things go your way. Some things, sometimes they don't. But that just is, you know, that's like life is a roller coaster. When things are good, you're happy. When things are bad, you're not But that's just a circumstance-focused life. Jesus is calling us to something very different than that. He's talking about an obedience-focused life, a Jesus-focused life, where your joy is made full and it's made complete in Him by obeying His commands. Separate from the circumstances of the day, apart from the challenges of the moment, it's about understanding His commands, and obeying His commands, and your joy being made perfect and complete in Him. Now, if you're just here enduring this, Wednesdays, you know, you, you, you know your friends are there. You know, you kind of, you kind of get through it. You know, you just. You know, Sunday, you get through it. It's all just kind of a chore. This is not your jam. There's other things you'd rather be doing. The Word of God is not of interest to you. The people of God, you know, you've been talking about First John a lot. You don't care about them. You don't love them. This, this is not your kind of place. Then, then you are really kind of going to live your life as a circumstance-based life. And so you have to work real hard to make sure your circumstances stay good so you can be happy and then you get old, and then you die, and then that's it, okay? Or you live a Christ-centered life, and no matter your circumstances, your, uh, your joy is in Him, and it is made full, and it is complete, and it is perfect in your fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Uh, does obeying the Lord God and, and his guidance, obeying him, does that bring you joy? Is that your greatest joy? Is that where you, that where you find the most fulfillment, obeying him and honoring him and serving him? Is, is your greatest joy found in the Lord Jesus? Think about that. Write that down. Talk about that in uh, small groups. So let's move on. Sarah turns against Hagar. This is the next big passage now, Sarah, this is verses 10, uh, 9 and 10. Now, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, uh, mocking. Therefore, she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. So she's talking about Ishmael, and he's mocking, and he's ridiculing, he's scoffing. He's like, he's, he's a little younger than you guys. He's like 13, so he's a teenage boy and he's just kind of making fun of this new kid. He had had a pretty special place in the community. He was Abraham's only son. He is the big half-brother. He's kind of a, you know, a teenager. You, know, you guys know how teenagers are. And, um, and he had enjoyed being the only kid around, being the, 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 the object of Abraham's undivided attention. And, and he's mocking. He's mocking the newborn. Uh, he's about two or three now, and Sarah sees that. You know, moms can be very protective of their children. Sarah does not like this 13-year-old kid mocking her newborn baby, or her two-year-old kid. So she says, we're going to send him out. And this mocker is not going to share in the inheritance. Verse 11, The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. Was distressed. Distressed. He was injured. It, he was, it was greatly injured. It was like a... It's like a major injury to his heart. This is his 13-year-old kid. He, he loves Ishmael. He loves Hagar's son. He's all he had known for th- He loves this kid. And so for Sarah to say, send him out, get rid of this kid, you know, that is very distressing. It was a major injury to his heart. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed, because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac your descendants shall be named. Here's another promise. Note that um, God uses uh, Sarah to speak to Abraham. God says, hey, uh, do whatever Sarah tells you. Listen to her. Do what she says. That's what God's instruction is to Abraham. Do, it, do what your wife says. S- send her away. He, she wants to send her, him away? Send him away. Uh, remember, uh, we talked not too long ago about wives being subject to your husbands. You guys remember that talk? Yeah, you guys remember that, right? We we were, we were in there together. Like, we were talking about being wives. What does it mean to be subject to your husbands? Okay, it, according to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 21, being subject to your husband does not mean uh, not speaking up. Sarah speaks up, and God says, uh, Listen to your wife. God is talking to Abraham through uh, Sarah, and so if you want to be subject to your husbands, it means sometimes being used by God to provide wise counsel, and that's what is happening right here. So, it's another faith test for Abraham because it's a big deal. He loves he loves uh, he loves Ishmael very much. He's injured to his heart, very deep uh, seated love, and and he's got to send him out. So, verses verse thirteen and. And the son of the maid, this is God talking to uh, Abraham, the son of the maid, I will make. See, here we go. God saying, I will do it. I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. God is again saying what he will do. It is all about God and his plan. There's no doubt once he says it, I will make them a nation. They will be a nation. And that is his promise to Abraham. So you would think that Abraham understands that a lot better at this point in the story than in, in chapters and years prior, right? And uh, so what does he do? What does Abraham do? Uh, verse 14, Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. So you know, Abraham gets it now when God says, obey uh, he rose, it was immediate obedience. He rose early in the morning. There's, a, there's an urgency there. He, he wanted to do it right away. You know, c- because delayed obedience is what? You guys have heard it like a gazillion times. Delayed obedience is, is disobedience, right? And Abraham's like, hey, no, we're getting up early and we're taking care of this. Even though that it was hard for him. This is God's will. We're going to do it. We're going to do it now. If you know his will, you don't want to be slow in responding. And he acts with urgency. Uh, and so he gives him bread and water and he sends him away. And it was hard, but he obeyed. And you know, the, the wilderness of Beersheba is like the middle of nowhere, basically. I mean, it, is, it, was, it, it, was, it was desolate now. It was desolate then. Uh, but, you know, don't skip past this part like, hey, we'll just get to the end. And it was a big deal. I mean, like imagine like you're on a big road trip. You're just out there. You ever been on a road trip? Who here has been on a road trip? I've been on a road trip. Yeah, you guys have all been on road trips. You ever be out, you're, you're driving out somewhere, and there's like you're just in the middle of nowhere. You're like, gosh, I hope we don't run out of gas out here. I hope we'll get a flat tire. Dad probably do not even know how to change a flat tire, and we're going to get stuck out here. This is scary. Uh, and, and this is like they, they, he sent them out into the middle of nowhere. There's no city lights around. It's just darkness, and they're out there. And this is a scary situation. You know, following the will of God, obeying the will of God, uh, it can be hard. He loves his 13-year-old kid, and he's sending him out into the darkness of just desolation, nothingness. That's hard. But God made him a promise, say, I'm going to make him a great nation, and he obeys. It is hard sometimes to obey, but he does it. So God says in our way, and he does. But we've got to obey the will of God, and it can be hard, and it can hurt. But they are, they are faithful. Anybody here work out? It's too bad Jack's not here. I know he's, a, he's my example for working out. Uh, you guys work out? Oh, yeah, okay, so I, mean, I figured you worked out. I could tell. Um, you, you know, um, over time, when you're working out, the— um, like say you're working out with I don't know like give me a weight like what what do, you, um, what do you what do you give me a weight what are you benching nowadays? You can lie. I mean like nobody's no, no, nobody's gonna go get the weights. Like don't say 145. We just recorded. Like give me something good. Uh, yeah, 225. Two twenty-five. Two twenty-five. Yeah. Okay. So as he works out with three fifteen. Now as he works out with two twenty-five. You know the two twenty-five does not change. And it gets always weighing 225, 225 pounds. That's what it's always going to weigh. You put it on the bar, that's what it will weigh. Over time, because he continually works out, okay, that 225 starts to feel a little lighter over time, right? Right? Yes. Because he's working out that muscle, those muscle, that muscle group. And so... The 225 feels lighter, but it's not actually lighter. It's the same 225, right? You guys following me? So if you get into the habit of obeying, obeying is actually a muscle. And if you get into the habit of obeying in the little things, then you develop your obedience muscle. Some of us have really weak obedience muscles. Some of us have very strong obedience muscles because we work them out all the time. But... Abraham has some serious obedience muscles because he is being asked to do a hard thing and he can obey. Okay? If we can't obey in the little tiny things, we can have a hard time obeying in the big things. And as you get older, big things, they're a-coming. They're a-coming. So you want to begin working out those obedience muscles as soon as you possibly can because when, you, when you're really going to need them, you want to be sure you got them. Am I right? So... Verse 15 and 16. "When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes, then she went and sat down opposite him, about a bowshot away. for she said, "Do not let me see the boy die." And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. So she's convinced he's going to die. She's praying. There's a mother's prayer. They're in the desert, they're in the middle of nowhere, and uh, she's just crying out to God. Do not let my son die. Do not let me see the boy die." And they're just out there in the darkness, in the desert of Beersheba. And she's just a mom, a maid, sent away, crying out to God. Just a maid. Verse 17, God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for the Lord has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will... I will make him a great nation. The Lord God heard the, the boy crying, an anguished young boy in the desert crying, and the Lord heard him. The Lord went to him. It's a really painful scene, actually. If you think, it's a really sad scene. I mean, really paint that 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 picture in your mind's eye of just a mom and her teenage boy in the middle of nowhere in a desert, preparing to die. This is a very dire situation. And God hears. hears. They call out to God, and he hears the prayer, and he hears the crying, and he responds to the crying. He calms her. He provides for her. Does God hear our prayers in that way? Does he hear us in that way? Do we cry out to God in that way? You know, just in desperation. They're just, just crying out in desperation. You see, they got nowhere else to go. They got no other resources. They're crying out to God in desperation. And God provides. Verse 19, then he opened her eyes and saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God provided. God provided. God always provides for us. Yet, you know one of his names? Who knows the name for God that means God provides? Who knows that name? Raise your hand if you know the name. El Shaddai, close. The floor is open. You can take it. Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, our special guest shows up just in time. See, God provided him for you guys. Jehovah Jireh, God provides. Every time God provides for you in your life, I want you to say, "God provides." Whether you're eating, whatever you are doing in your life, you say to yourself, "God provides." It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. God is providing for you. If you have breath in your nostrils right now, you can say God provides. That is his name. Jehovah Jireh. God, our provider. He does provide. So God was with the lad and he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. So it starts again with God. He's with them. God is with them. He's sustaining them. He's providing for them. And the kid grew. He was like like playing with uh, you know bows and arrows. Uh, so and, and, and he grew up in the wilderness. And then his mom, like moms do, she took care of the uh, spousal situation. She went back to Egypt, got a beautiful woman from Egypt uh, for him and took him as his uh, bride. She's a single mom, and she's taking care of her son. And they're, being a, 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 and they're in the desert, and God is with them, and God is providing for them. So, you know, we have promises. We have promises. Uh, God has made us. Lots of promises. Are we mindful of those promises? Oh, look Look what I found. Look what I found. Who knows what this is? What is that? This is an easy one. Gresh, you already answered and you ended up showing off now and knowing what this is. Who knows? You know? Uh, maybe you don't know given the, some of the scores from like, quiz night. What, <laughs> what, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, so this is, the, this is these are all of your um, verses for quiz night. These are your themes. This is all the psalm stuff that you guys, I'm sure, are just burning up uh, memorizing. You're probably just killing Quizlet's probably going to crash soon because of all the activity there. Uh, but God makes us promises. And for you to know the promises, it's real easy. If you're in Christ, he makes us some very serious promises. Romans 10.9. Who knows it? Romans ten nine. What is it? Don't lay out on me. Romans ten nine. Okay. Nobody wants to read it. Nobody. Nobody knows. Really? Yes, sir. Uh, again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, you, that's right. You believe in your heart that God. Him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know what that is? That's a promise. If you are in Christ, that is a promise. You will be raised. You will be with him eternally. Here's another promise. 2 Timothy 3.16. Who knows that promise? You guys know that one. Who knows that one? Who can give us that promise? Yeah. There you go. Great job. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for a proof, for a recre- a correction, for training in righteousness. A promise. This is a, it's a promise that you have the revealed Word of God. If you are in Christ, that is a promise God is making to you. Is he, is he good on these promises? Can you trust his promises? Yeah. Here's a last promise that, 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 that for those of you who are in Christ. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Anybody know that one? This is the application section, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. Perfect. Okay, so be anxious for nothing. Listen, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? That's a promise that, God, that you can pray to God, that he will hear you, and he will guard your hearts and your minds. That is a promise from God to you, believer, Claim these promises. These promises are for all of us who are in Christ. Do not live like God is blind. Do not live like God does not make us promises because He does. There's some other promises though, and they're not happy promises. There's some other promises. Who knows? Um, who can tell us what promise God makes? It um, Romans three twenty three. I'd prefer like an unbeliever so they can just kind of face the music here. Any unbelievers want to share that one? No, I'm just kidding. Gresham, what's Romans 3.23? The wages of sin are death. Sin are death. If you're not in Christ, that's a promise. And death is undefeated, except for one, one man who conquered death. How about Romans 6.23? Did I get that wrong? Oh, yeah, I don't, I, 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 oh, where'd it go? Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to redo this part of the recording. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, sorry. We all fall short. We all have sinned, right? And uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are death. That is, those are the promises if you're not in Christ. Do not let this day go by. Claim the Lord God's promises for you. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for these kids, Lord. I pray that you would draw us to yourself, that you would allow us to know you, that you allow us to honor you and follow you and be obedient to you, allow us to live according to the promises that you've provided. In your holy name we pray, amen.